Welcome, Phoenix fans, to episode 26 of The Burning Bird. I'm Steve Leinert. I'll be doing the color commentary for the Phoenix on AUDL. Once the season starts, I'm joined by my regular partner in crime and all-time Phoenix favorite, Alexander Shaggy Shragus. Shaggy, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. It's been quite the day. Quite the day. How so, Shag? How's it been quite the day for you? Well, as I'm sure all of our uh, dutiful loyal listeners know, I took a babysitting gig, and I've been watching these two kids, and they decided they're going to build a treehouse with their dad over the weekend. So I got to do all the fun stuff today, like measuring out the height, measuring the distance between the trees. We're using four different trees uh, to provide a nice base. I got to pull all the poison ivy down off the trees, so if I'm really itchy tomorrow, I'll know why. It was a fun day. That's a good day, Shag. I I also had uh, somewhat of a, a a good day good day karma wise, Shag. Go on. Okay. Uh, I, I went to go pick up a vehicle from a person's house today, as per my job. And long story short, this person was very mean to me. Okay. And she had to give me her registration and insurance in order for me to perform the necessary tasks for the vehicle. Right. Long story short, a twenty dollar bill flew out of her wallet, and she didn't see it. And she went into the house to call my boss to to complain about me because I wouldn't give her keys to a loaner car because we're not allowed to give keys to the loaner car because of the virus right now, right? Anyway, she came back outside, and I gave her, of course, being the person that I am, I gave her the $20 back and all a few other items that blew out of her wallet, including apparently something that was of sentimental value to her. Never got thanked for any of that, right? And uh, I, I kind of felt a little, a little ticked off about it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the next two people that I deliver, I delivered cars to, both gave me twenty dollar bills as tips. Wow! It came so that was, back that, around. That 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 that's karma coming around. That's the universe talking to me right there, Shag, saying, "Hey, you know what? Everything's gonna be okay, there, Steve." I'm telling you, yeah. that was that, that was some good stuff. So I had a, I had good karma. That was some seriously, and like you know that that doesn't happen like right like that <laughs> ever. You know what I mean? It never happens like that. And uh, like it came back, it might it, it came back twofold, and it just goes to show you that if you do the right thing, it does come back twice as good for you. And it was uh, it was something that was really good to see. I'm glad that it worked out so well. It did work out well, and you know what else is working out well, Shag? What? The Burning Bird, because in this episode, we are joined by Brandon Lamberty, a D-line stalwart on the Phoenix. Brandon, thanks for joining us on The Burning Bird. Hey, no problem. No problem. What did you think of the story about the karma there, Brandon? You know, that's just what you'd expect. You know, you can't please everybody, but, you know, somebody's going to be there to do the right thing. And enough of the people are watching the, the videos online about being good to... The people that are still working, so you know it's good to hear it's actually happening. Well, Brandon, thank you very much for saying that. That was very kind of you. So uh, you you've been on the Phoenix for a couple years now. You made the uh, you made the team when you were twenty uh, when you were in twenty eighteen in, in in the year twenty eighteen. Is that right? Yep, played twenty eighteen. Didn't play last year though, so this will be my my second second go around at it. Now, why didn't you play in twenty nineteen due to injury? No, I just was busy, you know, middle of college, just trying to manage what I could. Uh, you know, only only so many things I could juggle at the time. Got gotcha. you. All right. So, uh, how how's college been going for you? Well, I just graduated a couple weeks ago online with my undergrad, so that was that was an interesting experience. Uh, it went overall, you know, went well. And lucky for me, I'm coming back, going to grad school, so I get a fifth year, so I get to make up the the lost college season, which is very fortunate for me. Now you started playing as a freshman in high school in Wisconsin, is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Now, can you talk about how that all started for you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty much by chance. My coach in high school was our was the physics teacher at the high school. And he started the team my freshman year, and I just happened to see a flyer for it, and I thought, you know, that might be interesting. I'd been playing soccer at the time and wasn't that good, so I was like, maybe I can find something else. And went and, you know, really never looked back and was part of that first class to play all four years and 
it just, you know, the throwing came naturally and then trying to build up some of that athleticism to match it has always been what's kind of kept me going. Uh, if you played all four years of Ultimate at a Wisconsin yep. high school, how were you not recruited to go play for the Hodags? You know, uh, I I don't think they did too much recruiting just because, you know, they were always just kind of like letting guys come in and, we were we were not one of the one of the better teams in the area most of the time. We had we had one good year, um, but I think you know we just flew under the radar. There were a couple other teams that were better, and you know, and I thought about going to play for the Hodags, but I wanted to get out for college and get out east and do something new. So I had to kind of give up that opportunity. So what made you choose Temple? Uh, it really, it was wanted to go out east. Um, eventually I want to end up in DC, you know, I do politics. That's what I want to get into and that's where I want to be. And so Philly was a nice, kind of a nice middle ground, had some family nearby that liked the area, had been once or twice. And so I just kind of told myself that was decent. And then, you know, it's always about money too. So that fell in my favor and made things possible. And the fact that they had a team didn't hurt, right? No, it didn't, and I, you know, luckily for me, I had searched around on Twitter a bit and found them, and then right when I got there, I made it a made it a point to get in with the team, and that worked that worked out well. Now, what was it about the Phoenix when you were playing for Temple that made you want to go try out for them? Uh, so really, it started, you know, back in Wisconsin here with watching the Radicals all through high school. You know, I just I loved going to the games. I was always at them and, you know, standing up in the front row, yelling and screaming at everybody. And so I told myself, you know, when I get there, figure it out. And by the time I graduate, you know, I want to be playing on the Phoenix. And, you know, at the time the team wasn't doing too well. So I thought, all right, you know, why not, why not go give it a shot, you know, get in young and kind of build my way up. And luckily they, they saw something in me the first, that first year I tried out and got on the team. What was that first year like for you? It was it was an interesting experience. You know, I didn't know totally what to expect being like I think I guess the second youngest guy, uh Jordan Chickerone being like a couple months younger than me. But it was it was interesting. I was on that thirty man roster and, you know, you get twenty for a game, so it was week to week just fighting for that one of those last less spots on the D-line, um, really knowing that, like, when there were home games and more guys were available, I might not get the chance. But anytime you know, patrol was traveling to a tournament or going up to Canada or what be it, you know, there was going to be a spot that I could fill. And I just – I knew I had to fight hard to, to get there. And that was also different because, you know, up to that point I had never – never been on the lower end of a roster. So it was like a brand new perspective on things of seeing what it was like to fight from the bottom instead of trying to kind of maintain the top. What was your, uh, what would be your favorite memory from that 2018 season? Um, I, I really liked going up to Canada the two times, you know, just spending a lot of time with the guys driving up there, traveling around, getting to see it. And then I'd say, that first game I played in was in Montreal. It was their home opener. So they had, you know, all 1,200 fans or whatever it was in the stands. And they would just cheer for, you know, any good play. And that was just like the coolest thing ever to see that many people not just cheering for their own team, but for, for everything that was going well. And, I, you know, I didn't play too well that game. I was pretty nervous, but still felt like I had a place to be in that stadium without getting run out of there. And I'm pretty sure we won that game, so that was that was exciting. Did it feel like you were having the roles reversed on you where you went from being that kid that was yelling at the radicals to having some kids yell at you being the players that are on the uh on the field there? Oh, so much so. And I you know, that was that was one of the cool things for me was knowing that it had finally kind of come true of getting that roles to be reversed and being out there in front of people and that I had used that I was once the guy in the stands yelling. You were talking about how being fighting for your spot on the roster is such a foreign experience uh, for you. Yeah. Did you get to 
did you get to take any of that with you when you went back to college ultimate, which is, you know, I mean, I imagine you're one of the better players in the. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I, that summer I had gotten voted in as captain for Temple. So it was going to be my first year captaining. And it finally, you know, like gave me that perspective on what it, what the guys that are going to be, you know, sitting on the sideline in big games and, kind of watching us play and what their role is and like how I can really empathize with them more and just be there to like help guide them through it. And also like explain that I had been there before and just knowing that, you know, I, I had their point of view and wanted them to, to get better so that they could kind of get out of that role and into a bigger role. So it was, it was some empathy and then also some, some motivation for them to, to break out of that and fight for something better. And credibility too, I imagine, because now you're actually being honest when you say that you've been there. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's showing showing that everybody has to do it at some point, no matter no matter what level it's at. Brandon, what do you think the biggest difference between the uh, 2018 Phoenix and the 2020 Phoenix are? One of the big ones is just like some offensive firepower. You know, we brought in a couple new guys to move the disc, a couple guys to make big cuts. And then really the big change for me is seeing the like defensive intensity. I think in 2018, you know, we were, if we got taken deep, we were losing that battle every time. And now, you know, trying to throw past some of the guys in practice and, you know, they're Ding us up all the time and we're getting D's and it just feels like the level of pressure is like leaps and bounds above what it was in 2018. How did you think the, the team was going to fare coming out of the gate this year? I was I was excited. I felt like we kind of, you know, had like a better semblance of organization early on and that we weren't going to stumble too much so that, you know, maybe we could catch a couple early wins that teams wouldn't expect and then gain some confidence. And then as people kind of caught up, just be able to ride that confidence and, you know, take out some teams that – might have seen us as lesser. Is there was there a particular team you were looking forward to playing in the new division? Um, I'd say Raleigh was definitely the team I was most looking forward to. You know, I've watched them play a lot. They're always, you know, they were always fighting with Dallas in the South, and then we were going to get a chance at them. And you know, they have some some big name players and some guys that can do some really, really impressive things on the field, and getting a chance to go match for match with them would have been cool you know early on in the season and hopefully we still get a chance at some point you mentioned that the scandal player robin benning is your favorite player in ultimate can i can i ask why yeah uh so back when you know i was what probably a junior tried out for the ycc team in madison and i only could make like one of the two two tryouts because i think prom was one of the tryouts and she was one of the people coaching the team and leading tryouts. And that was the first like experience I had with her. And she was just very like understanding and a really great role model. And then she ended up being like the first woman to play in the AUDL, I believe when she played with the radicals and I watched that game and, you know, she was really holding her own out there. And then watching her play with heist every year was just a really cool experience to see how dominant she was around the disc. And then she moved out to D.C. to play and played with Atlanta Soul for the PUL. And just everywhere she went, you know, she commanded the discs, like, so well. And that's something that I really want to do as I grow in, like, in the sport. So I've always just looked up to that a lot. I was going to ask you, have you modeled your game a little bit after hers a little bit? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes she she's not afraid to bully her way through and, you know, get the disc on a reset or, you know, do that and take the tougher throw. And, you know, sometimes you're going to turn those throws over, but somebody has to be willing to do it. And, you know, you know that if you don't do it that time, you're going to get it the next time. And just having that level of confidence with your, with your abilities is something I take from her. All right. Now, uh, how you been handling the quarantine? You've been keeping up with the Phoenix workouts? Yeah, we do, you know, we do a lot of these Zoom workouts. We actually just got off one tonight that Connor Boyle was leading. Um, I got myself a new bike a couple of weeks ago, so I've been getting out doing that to kind of stay active, see some sights, and kind of building back up my, my sprinting repertoire and all that. But 
Ian Dietrich tells us is the most important. So I've been trying to trying to hold my own and stay active. I, I got to think the Phoenix as a team are doing a, like a little bit more than most other AUDL teams are doing at this juncture. Is that something that you believe? Yeah, I think I think we're doing a lot, you know, pretty quietly and you know doing it ourselves. You know, I've seen a lot of the guys from other teams that are play a bigger role tweeting about how they're going to be the most in shape when they get out of quarantine and you know and then the you know next guy says no I'm going to be and then you know Goose is posting those crazy workouts that he does. You know, those are all cool to look up to and see, but I think we as a whole team have done a lot and that's really exciting that all 20 guys that hit the field whenever we get to play are going to be ready to go, not just a couple of them. If the AUDL were to have a four-day, five-day type of tournament, uh, how do you think the Phoenix would fare? Yeah, I think, you know, I've heard you ask that and I've thought about it. I think we do we do pretty well because, you know, you watch the 2019 film and some games, you know, our D-line is like half of our O-line and then our O-line is a bunch of like D-line guys and we're able to move around well. And I think if we play, you know, a more drawn out weekend or something or a lot of back-to-backs, you know, we have the ability to maximize each guy to like play longer and play more games and we'll be in shape to do it. So I think, you know, we're set up well to succeed in both like strategy and just our fitness, which is really exciting. I think the, uh, I think the Phoenix would do very well as you've probably heard me say. Oh Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we have as good a shot as anybody at this point. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Brendan, do you see your role – what do you see your role like on the 2020 Phoenix? And is it different from maybe what you thought going into 2018? Yeah, I, first off, I think it's, you know, way different. I think 2018 I was – I was pretty raw and my, you know, my calling card was that I have my big lefty backhand hooks and can put it, you know, the full field. And that was kind of what got me to that point. But now I, you know, I've gained a lot of knowledge and able to do a lot more with the disc and off the disc. And at some point in the near future, you know, I'm hoping to transition onto the O-line and offer another, another reset option. You know, I've talked with Nate about being someone that can get into power position and, you know, exposing more of our deep game that I think we lacked in 2019. And, you know, and then if I stay on the D line, it's being able to, you know, be a defender that can help contain guys and, and then on a turn, you know, really control the D line offense and set the tempo and get us more breaks by, you know, being more efficient and also taking some more risks that, you know, pay off with goals on an O line that's really tired. Have you, uh, been able to learn any lefty trickeracious from Mott being on the team? Yeah, it's funny. I actually, like, two years ago, like, it probably was 2018, I was at, like, some college pop thing that Charlie Hoppus was running, and he, like, convinced me to stay after with Mott for a while and learn his, like, high, you know, high-release flick that he does in the end zone on those ISO cuts where he just steps over the defender and drops it in. And from that point on, after doing it with him and him teaching me that, I've used it in college nonstop and just throwing it around anybody into that dead space has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if you you had to choose someone to learn from, it'd be a pretty good choice, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love my scuba, I think, as much as Mott does, so – Watching how he does it and taking after him is not a bad guy to be around. Yeah, for sure. What uh, do you use? How far down the list would you say you go before you're going to your scuba? Is it like second after uh, the big backhand, or maybe three? You know, it's probably it's probably like the third option. You know, hit the something backhand and then throw my flick, and then right after that, throwing a scuba. You know, if it's on. That side, like the, I guess it would be probably the left side of the field, and then hammers over to the right. But I'm pretty comfortable doing whatever the moment calls for, and not thinking about it too hard. Sure, sure. How far are you putting that scuba reliably? Uh, it depends on the wind. You know, dead no wind, thirty thirty five on average. You get some downwind, I can catch a, I can catch a good like forty five yard downwind, but 
depends on the day, really. Sure, but yeah, I mean, 35, that's striking distance. You know, you'll catch people off guard with one of those. Yeah, that's that's the hope this year is being able to being able to bring it out more and take some take some people by surprise. Yeah, although I don't know how surprised they'll be now because the whole week yeah. listens to uh, the podcast. But... Well, that's true, I guess, but <laughs> they won't know which one I am for the first bit, so that's okay. Hey, the AUDL retweeted the last burning bird. Don't don't sleep on the burning bird. Now. <laughs> the AUDL is a little Twitter happy with engagement. You know, you tag them in anything, they'll uh, they're likely to throw <laughs> something your way. Well, we're happy to take it here on the burning bird shag. Yeah, no, for sure. Brandon, <laughs> you said that uh, your end goal was to go to DC and get into politics. Yeah. Do you want to be? Uh, the face of a campaign, like in the future, am I going to have the opportunity to vote for you or more behind the scenes stuff? Uh, for the first while, it's going to be behind the scenes. I think, you know, being able to help people kind of craft their way and someday down the line, we'll see. My mom always tells me she convinces everybody she talks to that to vote for me for president. But <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's in my future. So who knows, well, though? Not for a little while. You don't meet the age requirement yet, but maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. once you get there. Yeah, I got some time. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool. If that happens, you know, if you uh, get elected to office, just remember where us uh, when you're big, you know, when you're big time. Oh, I'll remember. Your, fam- your, your, favorite, your favorite podcast, Mr. <laughs> President. Well, Steve, I don't know because I was I was actually Brandon, I was listening to a podcast that you did earlier in the year, uh, with from Temple. Cherry oh, yeah, Pitts yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, that was pretty good. So I was like, Oh great, you've got a lot of experience doing the rounds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my old the old Frisbee guys from Temple have their own podcast, cherry picking. They talk sports and everything that under the sun. That was that's a good time whenever I can talk with them. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded pretty interesting. I'd definitely like it more if I like knew the two guys, I'm sure, but it was fun. Yeah. I'm sure people are saying the same thing right now about us, Jack. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you so much, Brandon. That's that's what I got, Steve. All right. Well, Brandon, good. Brandon, thank you for coming on. We certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Well, um, for Alexander Shaggy Shragas, I'm Steve Leinert. For Brandon Lamberty. Phoenix fans, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Coats is the mineral sunscreen that's so simple, the ingredients are in the name. Coats stands for contains only titanium and zinc, which means no preservatives and no chemical sunscreen filters on your skin. Visit cotzskincare.com to learn more about healthy sun protection and to get your supply of Coats sunscreen today. Shag, what's your big plans for this Memorial Day weekend? Oh, man. Uh, would you be surprised to know that in quarantine, every weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Um, I am, <laughs> I'm going to run with our later, and then we'll play disc golf. Uh, hopefully it doesn't rain on us. And if it rains on us, then we'll do something else. Uh, and then I'll probably come home, cook some, oh no, I know what I'm going to do that's special today, obviously, is we're going to do the Phoenix Files, one of our, the penultimate Phoenix Files. And then tomorrow I'll probably grill something and drink beer. I don't know. That's what I do every uh, day, so it doesn't seem that different. <laughs> that's what uh, we're, I'll be doing some grilling this weekend as well. I mean, I got a big menu on a uh, big menu plan for tomorrow. Uh, I'll be grilling uh, my my ribs. Uh, you've you've been at my house and you've had my ribs over here before. They're uh, they're something pretty special. So yeah. I'll be uh, be going out of my way to make my uh, baby back ribs and uh, my mom's mac and cheese will be uh, making an appearance. And, oh wow! Uh, yes, uh, I'll be featured going, uh, on the Burning Bird Mother's Day Spectacular. Absolutely featured on the Mother's Burning uh, Mother's Day Burning Bird Spectacular, and uh, we'll be having some uh, grilled chicken, some hot dogs, and. Uh, Gus will be coming over. We're going to have a little uh, fire out back in the fire pit and uh, maybe roast some marshmallows, maybe have some s'mores, maybe do a wow. little s'more action, you know. So make it a 
like, you know, have a little, uh, even, even though we're in quarantine, still try to celebrate a little Memorial Day action. We are joined in this special Memorial Day weekend uh, edition by two Philadelphia Phoenix stalwart players, all-star Sean Mott and Mark Sands. Mark and Sean, thanks for joining us on the Burning Bird. Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing? How you doing, guys? Uh, you know, here we go. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. Hey, yeah, what, what's your big plans for Memorial Day, guys? Well, this weekend we're just going to, you know, safely social distance outside like Sean and I are doing right now. And um, just a little family barbecue at the, at my parents' house. That's all I got going on. Yeah, I'm planning on just, uh, you know, staying safe with Mark right now. And, uh, and then after, uh, just do some grilling with my dad and mom and, uh, and just hang out try and stay safe don't want them getting sick or anything right that's that seems to be the biggest thing is making sure that everybody's uh staying safe during all this i mean but at the same time i mean everybody seems to be getting anxious to get outside and and to, to have this thing be over can you guys talk about how anxious you're getting right now if you're getting anxious at all um i i see it happening like the beaches opened in new jersey and you know, it makes me curious. I, I listened to one of the Burning Birds, and Shaggy, you hit me with a fact I did not know about the Philadelphia Parade in 1912 or 1918 or something. So that makes me interesting, like, what might happen after this weekend with the beaches being open in Jersey. I mean, other than that. Yeah, the fact that it's getting nice out, uh, it's really hitting me hard. A few days ago, I just, like, I was thinking – like, why aren't we playing Frisbee right now? I mean, if the, especially for players like yourself, I mean, the, the high-motor ultimate players, this is right when your body clocks are telling you guys, hey, it's time to be playing. Yeah, we'd probably be playing, like, every day at this point. If it was, like, you know, last year this time, we were probably playing it every single day. Yeah. How much, how much do you miss your teammates right now? Big time. Yeah, def definitely big time not the same it's not like uh why i at least i i mark two probably we don't sign up to do all these uh like just hanging out in group meetings and hanging out in emails we want to see our family be around them just like practice with them go to work with them and just grind with them how how tough is it to do these workouts and and not have the reward of actually having to play, uh, getting to play. Yeah. So, luckily for Sean and I, we we actually work together. So the last three weeks, we've been back at work, like with all the, you know, special requirements that are involved, like wearing a mask, staying six feet apart, wearing gloves, and stuff like that. Um, so luckily for him and I, like since we've been doing this and having you know washing your hands and everything we've been able to get outside together and throw once or twice a week so other than that you know I only see him so I wish I could see more of my teammates and play a game for you know I don't even remember the last time last time I played a frisbee match was probably back in September so <laughs> it's like it's serious starvation right now like I, I feel like a little 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 hunger. I, I'm hungry. Like, I really want to get back on the field and do something. Yeah, I, um, just thinking about it, it's just, like, when you think about Frisbee and you think about playing, it's, like, you play to win a game. There's a, there's a reason we keep score. And just, like, that competitive edge is just, like, really running wild in my imagination right now. Have you figured out a different way to get your competitiveness in? Like, you pick up darts or something? Uh, I actually, um, because of all the socially distancing regulations and all that, um, I've been playing a lot more video games. So uh, there's, uh, for FIFA, the soccer video game, there's something called a, a weekend league. So you play 30 games in a weekend and you get ranked on your results. So I've been doing that the past couple of weekends because I nothing else to do. <laughs> you played 30 games of FIFA in a weekend? In a weekend, yep. Oh, my goodness. 
that's a lot of that's a lot of time. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> Ma, study some film for crying out loud. Do something uh, else. <laughs> I, that's what I've been doing. I've been watching like probably way too much film. Way too much film. I've been like. I don't know. I got the I got the login to AEDL.TV. Been watching a lot of film. Been watching all these club games from probably back in 2014 to present day. I've watched every championship, men's, women's, and mixed final. I've watched. I just been watching film. Yeah, that's that's uh that's that's how you tell that you're a junkie though. There, Mark too. You can't get enough. You know what I mean? It's I throw it in the room by myself. Like I throw it up at the ceiling and catch it. Yeah, I've been there. I've done that too, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's a lonely lifestyle when you're by yourself there, you know. And uh, but that's that's what I used to do when I was growing up and um, when I when I was living at home with my parents and uh, when I was in high school and I was playing ultimate, and I had nobody to throw with, and I would uh, lay down in my on my bed in my room and I would try to throw the frisbee and come as close to hitting the ceiling as possible without actually hitting it, and uh, and having come down and try to catch it with one hand. And the uh, the penalty for missing it was it hit you in the face. So yeah, you learn, you learn not to miss it real fast, you know. So. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> you so, must have gotten uh, pretty good at blades. Yeah, you got really good at, at, at blades for sure, no question. <laughs> so, Sean, I've been meaning to ask you when we had you on the Burning Bird, we, what was that All Star experience like for you? Oh, geez, it was actually uh, really fun. Just getting to play and meet all the top guys around the league like obviously like the New York guys the Toronto guys all the guys in the division like I've been playing against them for years but like actually being on the same team with them and not having to deal with them it, it was amazing um it's actually really uh nice to see um we actually had a Phoenix family come out for their family vacation to the all-star game. So got to hang out with them and just like hear them in the stands. It was, it was awesome. And unfortunately we lost, but like that was one of the greatest games I've ever been a part of. How's it keep out of the game? Yeah, it, it was amazing. It, we highlight. were down like five goals in the second half, came storming back. It, it was so much fun. Just like the level was, probably the highest I've ever played. Hey, Mark, what was it like for you to watch your friend and, and fellow uh, Pensbury player? I loved it. I love watching my boy succeed. Um, Sean has, like, he, he was really the one who introduced me to Frisbee. There's other friends, too, but Sean was at the highest level the earliest. So, you know, it it wasn't surprising to me like all right Sean's going to the all-star game I kind of I remember the the night the night practice we had before that I just like dapped him up and I was like dude own it like get out there and own it take care of business have fun you know look around smile and just own it and then I I watched it live it was it was very cool very cool to see all that hey hey Sean you had that one incredible catch with Amp where you caught it on your back after like it bobbled around it do you remember that catch yeah, um, it was uh, Pro Champs, I believe it was Pro Champs, uh, semifinals. Um, yeah, and, I mean. <laughs> How did you pull that in? We, we were kind of just, like, stalled out, and uh, I dumped it back to Nikki, and I was like, I, I guess I got to go here. And uh, went, went down the field, laid out, and, like, I was mad at myself for not catching it. It hit, hit me right in the hand, and, and then it just – somehow just like started rolling around my hat and I was like okay I can pin this to my hat right now you so, remember what hat you were wearing I have no clue um <laughs> probably my poor king hat it was your poor king hat uh, it wasn't a roots hat it, it was either it was either roots or poor king and probably poor king it's just like I just felt it on top of my head I was just like if I don't make this catch I'm not gonna live it down because it hit me right in the hands well, you 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 seem surprised as anybody when you pulled it when you, when you caught it. Uh, yeah. When you when you 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 showed it to the uh, to the observer as if to say that was up. You, you know, uh, is that something that was going through your mind? 
what was going through my mind was basically like, we need this point, and I can't afford to drop this right now. So <laughs> as soon as I got it, I had to make sure he knew I got it. Way to use your head. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the 2019 and 2020 Phoenix there, guys. Uh, Mark, we interviewed you and your brother early in the season, and you talked about how you wanted the 2019 Phoenix to start looking at opponents as a bunch of guys just wearing T-shirts and shorts and not uh, as the Toronto Rush or the New York Empire or or the D.C. Breeze, so to speak. And uh, I, do you think that the 2019 Phoenix accomplished that? Yeah, I I think so because – I think it starts with our practices. Um, some of the highest competition that our team faces is, is within our own practices. Like, everybody comes into practice not knowing, it, are they going to start that weekend? Everybody has, like, the equal opportunity to come in and start the next weekend. So everyone's trying to get a spot. So that usually results in a very fiery practice, a lot of people making plays. And I think that will speak – for a team culture. So if we can play like that all the time without thinking about an opponent, play our game, stick to what we know, that's, if that's built within our culture, why should it matter who we play ever, you know? Who cares about these big names, MVPs? That shouldn't matter. You shouldn't come into a game and be like, oh, we have to face so-and-so from so and somewhere, you know? You should always just, like, stick to your game, play your game plan. When you get the disc, score it. Mott, as captain of the team, did you see a, a little bit of a shift in the mentality from the team last year to uh, in, in, in how they approach the teams like New York? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things for our team was um, our offense has always been pretty solid. We're obviously not the greatest at converting, but we've always been, always been solid. I think Nate, as uh, mostly the D-line coach, did a great job last year generating turnovers and just, like, getting the whole team into games. Like, before when we would play, like, New York and, like, Toronto and stuff, we would only generate, like, a few turns. And, you know, it would feel like, hey, like, I I don't think we can beat these guys today. When we're, like when we went up to Toronto like late in the season and beat them last year, it's like we're generating a turnover, like half of their offensive points. So it's like, if we're not beating these guys today, like when are we going to beat them? We had an amazing mentality going to that game in Toronto. I remember like coach Hampson, he rallied everyone in the, uh, in the locker room. He was just saying like, why not us? Like, why not today? Why not us? And everyone really embodied that and went out on the field and just, said you're just some dudes in shirts let's just take this game from you at your home day on toronto day in front of all your fans yeah so i think i think just the biggest thing was just like the change in mentality to like hey like we can compete with these guys to hey like we can beat these guys we should beat these guys and i i think that's the biggest change that uh we had last year and just you guys saw it like week in week out we were competing with everybody uh, i think uh that rain game with new york was a little rough losing that but like i think that was the best game they got all year yeah that was a tough game for them that's the you mean the one you guys should have won technically <laughs> I, I don't want to that that's not my uh sure play of course judge, but uh, yeah, I, that one. That one. <laughs> um, well, that speaking to that game and the Toronto game, it's it's one thing to go up to Toronto and and win that game, and a lot of times a, a team could have a fluke win like that. Uh, it seems like the Phoenix it, it had a, a a dynamic shift after that game, and they've been able to carry that mentality through not only the rest of that season, but through the off season, through the combine. And through the practices, through the, and they were poised to start this season with that same mentality. Is that something that you guys have seen? Yeah, 
it, it was a huge bummer for me that all this happened because um, we had guys last year that like grew greatly over the year. And we also had guys this year that were like coming back either from injuries or took a year off. Like um, Nick DiGiorgio is a really solid defender that I love playing with really good team mentality. Uh, had a, I believe it was a torn ACL um, and couldn't play last year, but it would have been awesome to get him back and just add him to the mentality because he's always for the team and every everybody last year was putting the team first, right? So we didn't really care about the stats. We didn't care about who's getting recognition, who's doing this, who's doing that. The one thing on everybody's mind was either a W or an L. So we were just going out every week trying to get that W. Yeah, we wanted them dubs. Is that noticeably different from previous years, or is that just kind of like, you know, something you could always say about a team? I think you could always say that about the team, but it was, like, more prevalent last year because um, we won more games, I think, than in history. Except, I, don't I, I don't know. About, I don't know about fran- like the whole franchise, but like it just felt in recent years. Yeah, it just felt like you know these. It, it's possible. Like last year, just felt so possible. Like you know, beating Toronto, getting really close within like three goals with New York, and then they win the whole thing undefeated. Like just felt so possible, which made me so excited for 2020. You know, going into a new division, playing fresh faces, where all of that, like what you're talking about, Steve, with, you know, these teams and these names, none of that even matters. Because now you're in, like, uncharted waters. You don't know anything about anybody. So you just had to come out real fierce and real strong from the jump. Like, you're just, you're coming out, like, you know how you play. It's like, all right, let's just come here in a new place and just take over. Yeah, who are you looking forward to the most to playing in that new division? Well, I got two. Um, One would be Tampa because I love warm weather. <laughs> I'm a warm weather, sunny type of guy. The second one would be Raleigh because of uh, Noah Saul. He's a Pensbury guy. He's been holding it down to them for a while, and um, I would love to play against them in a, you know, in a traditional matchup in the yeah. ADL field. I'm going to have to uh, agree with Mark's uh, second pick. Uh, Raleigh would be – my first choice, just because um, actually one year I went to Flyers tryouts, so I I know a couple of the guys, so it would be nice playing against them and matching up with uh, Coach Denardis. He's got a great mind for the game. Um, and then my second would be uh, Atlanta. Uh, at the World's tryout, got to meet Coach Knowles, and she is a phenomenal mind for the game. So I really like matching up with her too. And uh, what was it like last for you guys to watch these uh, younger players develop uh, and watch the kind of the old guard move out and watch the, uh, the new younger players move in? Uh, really exciting for me. I, you know, love the older guys. Uh, I grew up like they basically helped mold me into the player I am today, but like kind of like, changing that and having like our generation kind of become the old guard with the new guys coming up. It's really exciting. Like, um, Paul Owens, for example, um, played amp with me last year in club, played a couple Phoenix games after college season. Kids got potential through the roof and just like seeing all these young guys, like makes me work a little harder because I don't want to give up my spot yet. I feel that. I was just going to say that, you know, like the young guys come in, it's, it's really exciting. I coach high school, and I know that in the area there is – Frisbee is definitely becoming more developed, and at a high school level these kids are better than it was used to be when we were in high school, and that's like, what, seven years ago? I don't know, maybe more than that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, these kids are good, and it makes you – like they're nipping at your heels, so you have to – maintain your workouts you have to be smart with your workouts and just you know it's good to give them knowledge to make them good but you don't want to give them too much so they pass you too quickly so you gotta be- <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> you got to be careful of that. You don't want to teach him all the tricks now. Yeah, and who comes to my mind on the finish right now is Nate Little. Very excited to watch that young guy yeah. play. Very excited. What is it about Nate that makes you so excited? He not only is just like an athletic monster, but he is so quick to take good criticism, and he's he's very well coachable. You know, you can chirp something in his ear. Two plays later, he makes that adjustment, and you watch it, and you're you know you're just like, wow, good job. We just talked about that. That's that's very quick. Not everyone can do that. All right, and then you guys checked out the new stadium down there in South Philly. Beautiful. Um, I love it. Um, but personally, I would like to stay at the A field. I'm a huge grass fan, not a huge turf guy. Um, just growing up, just soccer and other sports just always played on grass. So I love grass. Um, not, I don't have any problems with it though. I almost every other stadium's turf. So I, I sure will do fine. I like it. I think it's cool. It's right near all the other um, sports stadiums, so and it's a closer drive for me, so I like it. I dig it. I like. Uh, I played soccer in high school. I like turf because I was on defense, and the, the <laughs> strikers, <laughs> the strikers couldn't turn as quickly, so I could just stand in front of them. And then when I got the ball, my kicks went farther because those like little plastic grass things had no friction on them. The ball would just go and go. True. I was on the opposite side of that. I was a backing <laughs> midfielder, so everything moved faster, so you had to be more precise. So that's one of the reasons why I probably don't like it. <laughs> hey, Mott. Yep. got to ask you a question, man. Okay. All right, last year you were you were a little late to uh, one of the games, man. Uh, what happened? Um, oh, man. I know a lot about this, Steve, but I'll let Sean in. So it was a DC game. Um, I actually stayed up late. Um, my mom wasn't doing that well, so stayed up late making sure everything was good with her. And oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that, man. It's all right. She's she's doing well now, so it's okay. okay. Uh, I actually ended up oversleeping because of that, and I just showed up late, and that's 100% on me. Uh, Already talked about it with the guys and everything, and that's just all me. That's, that's well, my you were, you were you were one hundred percent accountable. Um, yeah. You uh, you you took full responsibility when you did show up. You had your best statistic, uh, statistical half of the season, and you haven't missed an AUDL game, I believe, since twenty sixteen, according to Shaggy. So, um, uh, like it's 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 understandable, you know that 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 occurred, you know, but, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know what the story was behind it. So I just wanted to be sure that I, uh, did my due diligence and asked the question. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, perfect, perfectly understandable, perfectly good question. Uh, yeah, I just had some family troubles and I love the team. Like think of that as my second family, but I'm always going to put my immediate family first. No, no doubt about that. Yes. And I'm, uh, I'm glad that um, Mama Mod is doing doing just fine today. That's great. Well, Steve, I wish you would have followed up and been like, yeah, Mark, what's your side of the story? Because it was a complete goddamn circus trying to get Mod on the phone. Of course, Arcata and Hanson simultaneously calling me and texting me, where's Mott? Where's Mott? I'm like, I have no idea. I, like, why is he responsibility? I was in that car, the Hanson Arcata car driving down. So it was, it was kind of <laughs> Yeah, they're saying, like, I don't know what the idea was to get a hold of me, but they were even calling, like, Dre and Natalie to say, where's Mott? And, like, they're calling me, Andrew's calling me, where's Mott? And I'm like, I don't know. So what the story comes down to is I call my dad, and, like, because of work, like, they both work in Bucks County, uh, blue-collar boys, I'm like, yo, Dad, do you have Bert Mott's number? He goes, no, but you know what? He was just over at your Uncle Wayne's house. Let me call Uncle Wayne. <laughs> Reach me my Uncle Wayne's number. I call Uncle Wayne. Uncle Wayne, you got Bert Mott's number? He goes, who? I'm like, Bert Mott. He was just at your house. He's going to cut down a tree. He goes, oh, yeah, I got Bert Mott's number. Sends me Bert Mott's number. <laughs> then I call Bert Mott. He's like, who is this? I'm like, 
Mark Sands, I'm looking for Shawnee. What's he doing? And it's Shawnee. Marky Sands is on the phone. Where are you, you supposed to be at a game? Sean wakes up. He's like, yo, dude, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I should have I followed up for sure, but I, I felt uh, so bad asking about this. Sean talked about his mom being sick. I was like, oh, man. We're I, still I, recording. I'll just I'll throw this all on. Anyway. Sean, <laughs> I get on the phone with Sean. I'm like, yo, dude, you're late. It's not a problem. Don't look at your phone. Just drive here as safely as you can and get to this game. Just don't look at your phone. Put your GPS in and get here. He's like, he's like, all right, what time is it? He's like, what's it, 11? I was like, no, nah, it's like 1.45. You're good. The game's <laughs> I was like, we'll try to hold it down. Just get here. Then he shows up. I'm like, dude, I got two goals. What's up? Fourth quarter, Sean's got four assists. He threw two more goals than me, so I had four goals. He had four assists, and he's like, I got four assists. What's up? And I was like, you should have got here at the beginning of the game, bull. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, and I got a, I got a question for both of you guys. Mott, your teammate from AMP, Michael Ng, just won a uh, Callahan Award uh, recently, um, just a couple days ago. He, he's the uh, second Radner player to uh, win a Callahan Award, and uh, I'm here to ask both you and Mark, when is a Pensbury player going to win one? Uh, hopefully soon. Uh, we can't fall too b- far behind the Radner. Uh, <laughs> coming from you, it, it hurts a little more since you, know, you have, yeah, you have ties. some ties. ties. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, we we have right now a kid at a high school from Pensbury who made the youth twenty team. Labar, right? Matt Labar, yep. playing at JMU. JMU, that kid, he's he's good. He's got a very good mind for the game. He's also really athletic. But I don't know what I don't know why Pensbury's falling off. I I got a state championship last year. I mean, I, you know what I mean. All right. I think, I think All right. Our, that would be the two JMU kids. We have uh, Matt Krause, Matt Krause, and Matt Labar, two high-level players. Let's play Devil last year. We're main players on that. Labar's going to U twenty. Krause has the potential and probably could have made the team too. I think they're our best bets right now. Okay, gotcha. I just wanted to do a get a little dig in there if I uh, while I, while I could. <laughs> of course, yeah. Because like I'm I gotta sit next to Bailey Saul now all season when the when the uh, AUGL season starts he drops the uh, Pensbury shoutouts like they're uh, like they're going out of style or something uh, so uh, you know no he's got a lot of he's got a lot of love for his Pensbury people and I uh, and I appreciate that about him and uh, and I appreciate your program I mean what Pensbury does out there year in and year out is an incredible thing. Hey, Radner's not too shabby too. Yeah, they're you know? good. They're good. You got Trent. You got Michael. You got and a bunch of studs, the like, Donahers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't don't forget um, about Greg Moeller on the Phoenix now. Oh yeah, of course. You know. You know. So uh, yeah, we're I mean, talking about the, the younger players coming up. Uh, he's one of the young guys who's improving every year, and with that big frame, he's obviously going to be a force. Well, he he loves you guys and looks up to you tremendously, and. Uh, as his former coach, I'm appreciative that he has players like you to look up to. That's for sure. Sweet. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, no worries. Um, Shag, what do you got, buddy? I got a couple things. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you guys is, Mott, we've been watching a lot of 2018 games um, for the Burning Bird presents, the Phoenix Files. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the big things that I'm noticing that's different between uh, 2018 and 2019 is that you played – two more games in 2018 and you played like 360 points because of that, but you actually played more D points in 2019. I think you played like 60 something in 2019 and only 54 in 2018. Did you yeah. notice that you were kind of switching over more? Or is it? Sorry. We actually made that a conscious decision by the team. Um, we, I actually talked about this with Nate and Hampson throughout the year kind of like to start quarters or like to end halves to be through um, like universe kill lines a little more just because we knew typically first points and last points 
are only like you know probably like 20 seconds max if they're like a good point and if I can't hang out on the field and like do my job for 20 seconds I shouldn't even be out on the field so I think it was a more conscious decision to try and generate more points for our team by having me go out there and I'm not going to say I'm like the best defender on the team or anything I think that's nard but um I I can do my job and then one if we get that turnover I can help guide that line to a score to stay on the playing time I was looking at it today it was really interesting Mark you're an anomaly in the league you played a lot of points, but you played 90 O points and 87 D points. You're like split 50-50. How'd you manage that? Well, first of all, I think that might be a mistake since my brother. That could be a little, you know, honestly, they could have been like sands and just picked the wrong one. But to memory, yeah, there was a lot of times where like Hampson would be ready to call a line and I would just be like, yo, I'm going. And he would just let me go play offense or he would just let me go play another D point. Because I like he just saw how ready I was, and I just wanted to play. Like, you know, I show up to game, I show up to practice, I bring my cleats, coach, call my name, I'm ready to play on the field. That's basically it. So, fitness, my body fell apart after the ADL season, basically. But <laughs> I'd like. <it. laughs> he um is also good to see um, Mars like, in my opinion, one of our like defensive stalwarts, like really like every main D-line we call them out there. Um, but, yeah, there there were a few games this year um, that we had less people, um, and he's obviously on our list for one of the top people to cross over for us. Uh, so when, when you guys are both on the O-line, let's say, and you're calling plays at the line or, or you're just talking about what you want to do, do you ever look at each other and you'll be like, you know what, this is a pen three point. We're just going to play catch and we'll figure it out later. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like we don't talk about it. It just happens. We we don't <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would say we don't exactly talk about it. If I'm, I typically call the plays for the offense. I split duties with Ethan Fortin last year. Um, so yeah, if I'm if I'm just feeling a point, I'll just look on the line, see who's ready. If I see him walking out there with like a, you know, kind of like determination or if I just see something I'll just be like hey just everybody get out of the way I'm just going to go first and let Mark have the lane yeah and and then there's also like tendencies we we play in the summer league together we've been playing for a couple years now together and having catches together so like I know to look for Sean Scuba over the top I know to look for his step back lefty around like I just know to look for some things from him it's just like you know that chemistry stuff yeah, that makes perfect sense. Who would you guys say is the most fun person to uh, take those long road trips to Canada with? That's that's actually a really good question. Um, I, I, I know. I I, I don't know who Mark's gonna say, but uh, for me, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, kind of a unsung hero on our offensive line. Um, I'm gonna go with Dustin Damiano. Um, <laughs> he typically brings like a like a screen and like some movies and he'll like just put movies on for us and like play games he is insanely good at puzzles and riddles so he'll have the whole like he'll have everybody just trying to guess riddles for like three hours so (laughs) it's really fun just having around and just making us all go crazy yeah, that's a that's a great decision. Our van, like the one I only did one Canada trip last year going to Toronto. Um, yeah, Dustin was in our van, but I'm gonna choose Mike Arcada <laughs> because after we beat Toronto and came home, Mike, who is like you know sometimes he can be like you know the dad. He's like in charge. Like hey, nobody mess with the van. He made me drive home from Toronto. <laughs> I just saw him in the back just wiling out, and it was hilarious. It was just happy to see him. Like, after we won that game, he walked out in the middle of the field. He just looked around. He's like, I'm soaking this moment in. 
we got in the van. We had to stop, get some necessities, and get home. But <laughs> so funny to see Mike Arcata just you know let loose for once in a while, and he made me so happy in that moment. I was like, sure, you know what, Mike, I'll drive, have fun, take care of the guys in the back. We're good. Oh man, I'm glad to hear that Mike had some fun. <laughs> yeah, he works hard. He works really hard, and you know. Everyone deserves to have yeah. a little bit of fun. He does a great job, and I I love seeing him have fun like that. It's a rare occurrence, but it's fun when it happens. Speaking of a rare occurrence of Frisbee still having fun, Matt, you have the the most impressive Frisbee throw I've ever seen. It was to win a Tri-Wizard tournament at the Essers, and you <laughs> knocked a, you knocked a cup over with a scuba. And it, it, you the reason it was so impressive is because it looks like it looked like you weren't even looking, like you didn't even plan to do it. I, I'm not going anywhere with this. I just had to bring it up. I couldn't believe it when I saw it, and it still stick with me. It happened like four years ago or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got lucky. I, I, it was actually, um, you know how those tournaments go. It's just like, just like a bunch of people, and just like we got to that final round, and I'm like tired and everything. And I want to say it was Steve Room. I'm not entirely sure who it was. Um, and just like I saw him moving so fast, I was like, I just have to throw something and hope it hits. <laughs> Luck. Oh, man. We actually have a little, Sean and I have a pop quiz for you, Steve. A pop quiz for me. Shaggy, should we get into it right now? Yeah, I think now is as good a time as any. I was going to set to you up by asking if you had any questions for us because you have had to listen to us either in film or just me in the stadium so often. But yeah, right now is perfect. Okay. So, Steve. Yeah. We're going to get I are going to get you a pop quiz. Wait, go ahead, go ahead. You have something? No, I was going to I was just going to say this ought to be good. I have no idea what to expect here. <laughs> good. Sean and I are going to give you five numbers. Okay? Five numbers from players on the 2019 roster of the Philadelphia Phoenix. Okay? You're going to have 10 seconds answer each and we're going to see how well you do out of five uh, that's going to be tough okay i'll do the i'll do the uh i'll do the best i can let me let me know when you're ready sean how many how many do you have how obscure how obscure are we talking hey listen we'll we'll give you a couple layups in the beginning and we'll get a little bit harder uh all right all right so number one you ready all right i'll do my very best here we go First question. Here we go. All right. No, number 22. Oh, that's Mike Arcop. Good. <laughs> okay. Second one. Are you ready? All right. Number nine. Oh, that's Timmy. Yep. Got it. Okay. Number three. Are you ready? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, this is, now they're going to get infinitely more difficult. Here we go. <laughs> number zero. Oh, that's Dustin. Dustin Damiano, good. I, I wanted to give you some players, you know, who've been playing for some years now. Now okay. I'm going to give you a little bit newer, okay? All right. All right, number four, it's going to be number 47. 47. Is that Matt Ballman? Yes! yes! <laughs> Go, four for four. Is that Matt Ballman? That is Matt yeah. Ballman. All right. All right. All right. This is for your hundred percent five. Are you ready for the last one? Wait, wait. Can I can I can I opt out now if I like just take if I give you guys money or something? <laughs> no, no, we just take the deal. <laughs> yeah, I want to take the deal. <laughs> you accepted your player option. No opting out. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, all right, all right. Give me the give me the fifth one here. Number eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. 88. I'll give you a hint. It's not his original number. You got uh, five. Uh, uh, I know Paul Owens wears it this year. Uh, <laughs> oh, Paul Owens. Dang. You got that one second after the buzzer, but we'll give it to you. <laughs> Yay! Good job, Steve. Five five. All right. Well, there you go. All right. And, and here I uh, I thought you guys were going to make it hard. We could. 
But, you know, we're having fun here. No, no, no. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. That was fun. No, that was a lot of fun, you know. I'm really hoping the 2020 season uh, starts because I, I, I know that your expectations were high, our expectations were high, and uh, this this was going to be a great season. But in the interim, uh, the Burning Bird is providing the highest levels of AUDL ultimate entertainment that we can possibly put out there, including all-star Sean Mott and uh, defensive stalwart Mark Sands. Guys, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you guys coming on. Oh, yeah. Of course. For Alexander Shaggy Stragus, for Mark Sands, for Sean Mott, I'm Steve Leinert. Thank you for joining us for another edition of The Burning Bird.